new uh, this new thing called the internet. It's un unpredictable. So, uh, but I heard it's catching on. Uh, we have Dr. Bernardo. Rich, how are you? Nice to be with everybody tonight for Leadership Redefined. And we have a, a guest that I know knows technology. Uh, Rich, I'll let you introduce. Mike and I just met. Mike, they said before, Mike is my newest friend. Uh, we kind of uh, crossed uh, internet paths, uh, I guess it was late last week, Mike, and uh, on a dialogue board on Facebook that was hosted by Dr. Randy, uh, you can pronounce the name better for me, better than I can, Ziegenfuss, uh, who is a, super, a former superintendent in Pennsylvania and has had, had, has had and continues to have, I believe, a uh, uh, very popular a podcast about educational leadership, as a, matter of, uh, as a matter of fact, where I did a thing about my book a couple of years ago. And uh, Randy and I just just sort of hit it off. We sort of we were talking the same language about vision, about planning. About, we used uh, my my favorite one of my favorite words, the futuring word, and we began to feel the same way about some things. So I said, "Hey, why don't you why don't you uh, join us on, on leadership redefined and let's get your ideas out uh, to our folks and we'll, we can take it from there." So, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit, a bit more your your background and uh, what your passions are, and we'll be happy to. Uh, uh, Blow the bellows at that, and I think I think uh, Rich meant to say Mike and and, and you uh, hit it off. You mentioned Randy, but I think you and Mike. So Mike, yeah, a little bit about yourself, and uh, I know we speak the same language in a lot of ways about yourself, and, and you know your leadership style, and uh, that we'll talk about the futuring word. I'm, I'm sure at some point, right, Rich? <laughs> yeah, count on it. Sure. So uh, thanks for having me. Um, I. Uh, I guess I can go back even to when I was a kid. My, my dad was a teacher for uh, 40 years. He taught math. And, um, and I think there was always this like uh, part of me that was very interested in teaching and learning. Um, I helped out with coaching. I have a younger brother. I helped coach baseball when he was playing and stuff. So always had that sort of like inclination to want to be involved in education and um, that eventually did lead to me going into education. But I think it's also, and this is the first I've thought of this, but like it's worth noting though too, that prior to going into education, I was um, training uh, and had applied to a number of schools to go into engineering. Um, very much have been about um, from the beginning, just building stuff. I love building stuff, understanding how things work. And I think, um, you know, again, this is like the first I'm kind of coming across this, uh, this notion is that uh, systems like really interest me quite a bit and understanding how things uh, interact. Um, and so uh, fast forward, get an education, um, start teaching middle school, um, seventh grade, which was super exciting. Um, experimented a lot, had a very supportive um, leadership team there that allowed me to do a lot of different things. Um, dip my toes into the digital world um, in piloting some iPads for our district. Um, so kind of jumped on the Google bandwagon pretty early and, and knowing that that was going to be a pivotal um, tool for my kids and, and being able to digitize a lot of things, um, open up my classroom walls to a large extent and experimented with um, different types of uh, collaboration, um, project-based learning, uh, I did some problem-based learning. Um, I experimented with gamification, um, tying principles into uh, game principles into huge fan of uh, James Paul G um, yeah. was, was kind of like yes, the guy yes, who kind yes. of got me onto it. Yeah. Yes. 
So, um, and then had like a really cool, um, ran like an end of the world kind of experiment at the end of every year where kids had to plan out of a zombie apocalypse. So had had a lot of like fun with, with that. And and then that parlayed eventually into um, my first um, job working in um, technology in the school district. Um, I also ran an online program, our cyber program at the time I was in the classroom. So I kind of had different hats on. And uh, from there, went into some coaching roles in, in technology and uh, have um, from there stepped into a more central role, um, basically overseeing the education side of the house with regard to technology. So um, and that's where I am in terms of my professional career. Um, but I think I've always seen myself as um, somewhat of a change agent. I've always been interested and um very curious about how um, we can uh, better prepare our youth for, for life after uh, school. Um, Learning doesn't stop, you know, outside the four walls of the school. And that's, that's always been sort of a a thought that undergirds everything. I realize that it has been a big part of, I think what I try to do on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, sometimes that's just helping, you know, a student figure out how to, you know, use this new tool or a teacher to try a new instructional strategy. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm very interested in how we can rework um, the system um, to work for our kids. Um, I was uh, just just curious, uh, Mike, and it's and we have to say Dr. Peck now, right? I mean, this is when, when, when did that happen? Just really reveal that quickly. <laughs> uh, yes, that was just this past December. Um, I just completed my my doctoral studies on uh, leadership in the learner centered paradigm, which is awesome. And uh, we spoke offline about you did that during the whole COVID thing with the responsibility of of uh, the educational side of technology. So that's yeah. a challenge, I'm sure, right? It was, yeah, certainly. <laughs> um, so how does I'm I'm curious because I've uh, as you've seen and people who listen know I've. Of deeply embedded in, in the educational thoughts. So you tried the the iPads. Uh, for me, Google. When go, I'm I think number six hundred something in the Google certified trainers. So I was right there at the beginning of yeah, all yeah. that. But how, how is there synergy in technology and sort of being creative, innovative, and uh, sort of a thought leader in this space? Um, and if so, how do you? What is the alignment in your mind? Yeah, I think we have to be careful. Um, there is like, there's definitely a connection um, between, you know, technology and innovation. Um, technology uh, enables us to break the barriers of time and space, um, where once a student had to be in my classroom uh, to, to get that material, whatever that might be, not that they couldn't learn outside the classroom, but to get access to certain materials, they had to be in the classroom or in the school. Um, However, technology has removed those barriers. And we've certainly seen that in the pandemic. Um, We took the training wheels off what a lot of people were experimenting with, um, hybrid learning, which in our case, we're calling it, you know, we have kids in the school and outside of school learning in the same class, Um, uh, blended learning, uh, just total virtual learning in some cases. Um, You know, we took the training wheels off and we've seen that uh, just like not every kid is made for online learning, not every kid's made for learning in the classroom either. So um, I think what's really important from this situation is that we figure out what works and what doesn't and take those best practices and apply them to um, you know, future learning models. So mm. there is, but I think the part we have to be careful about is that 
we use technology in a way that enhances um, our ability to, to um, allow kids to access learning. And so uh, we don't want to simply digitize it, which you see a lot of, I think, and, and it's not just about like the practice of digitizing, but some of the tools enable that behavior too. So um, there's definitely a connection, but I think, you know, the innovation and technology part is, uh, is a double-edged sword and we have to be very careful how we wield that. Yeah. And I'd love to, Rich, I want to hear from you as well, but uh, we had um, Matt Rhodes, Dr. Rhodes on as well. And he, he um, uh, speaks the same language. I'd love to have sort of a round table with some yeah, of the it's folks. a good ideas. Yeah. Um, moving forward, if you're up for it, uh, Mike. Uh, Rich. You know, so I'll, I'm interested, and Mike, I'm, it's just funny because I, I, I really don't know how many folks with whom we've spoken to along the same lines, Mike, but it, it's funny when we hear the, uh, the mini buyout, I keep seeing the same themes uh, jump out. Uh, even for me, though, I, I really can't claim to be in yours and Oral's uh, league in terms of the technology piece, although I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with a, a, a lot of it. And I certainly share some of the same philosophies you have, I can tell you that. But it's funny, um, you, you say that you, how you began, well, first of all, with the systems issue, which is a big word for us as well. But then you got into the point that somehow or another, and I'm putting words in your mouth, Mike, and spit them out if, I, if they're not necessarily accurate, <laughs> that, you, that you were in a, that as you began working in a middle school, I'm using a, a, a verb I like to use, and that would be, you were kind of nurtured by the culture of, of that place hmm. to uh, take risks, as long as you were taking risks that, were, that uh, you were investing your, your, in, uh, your obvious intelligence and creativity into. And that was the acorn, Alex has taught me using that word, but that was the acorn of how you kind of went, went forward. I mean, I hear project-based learning, I hear problem-based learning, I hear gamification, I'd like to talk to you some more about that. I have great interest in that personally. Mm. Uh, and, then, and then we're talking about you moved over to coaching. Mm -hmm. So you didn't jump from teacher over to assistant principal in XYZ middle school. Yeah. Where you were chasing kids who threw pizza across, across the floor. You were coaching teachers to help them be mini mics, so to speak, or their own version of Mike with the skills that yeah. you had. I'll stop there because I think I have something to say. I talked yeah. too much. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, no, there's certainly, um, there was a point where I realized that um, what I was doing wasn't enabling my students to access learning on their terms and to engage in, in the content or at least like the topics that we talked about um, in, in areas that they were curious about. Like I started in a way that I was, you know, feeding them PowerPoints and worksheets and blah, blah, blah. Like there was a point I realized like it just, this isn't working for them. This isn't working for me. And there's got to be a better way to do this. And yeah, I, I had a lot of um, support. Um, I spent a lot of time researching on my own because I was just very curious about this question. Like, how do I do this better? And, uh, and yeah, I had a lot of support from my, um, my principal, my assistant principal, um, my director of curriculum at the time. And, uh, and they were very supportive of what I wanted to do uh, because I, I put the work into understanding how it could improve things. Yeah. Yes. And so that began, that, that either you had the DNA already within you or somehow the DNA within you evolved 
to take that premise and now, as I understood the title of your, of your dissertation and your research, to recognize that the kinds of leadership that we need, and another word I don't like to use because it's so over, overused, is to, to, to facilitate other teachers to, um, and I use this phrase way too often too, to drink your Kool-Aid, to mm. make it their own Kool-Aid in order yeah. to enable students to be what they're more than, more than able to be, regardless of what kind of teacher they have to some extent. Yeah, I, the, the one phrase I like um, to use and it came through in my study and that is um, create the space. Um, you know, how do we create space? Because if I want you as a teacher to create space for, for um, your learners to um, access content in a different way, explore their curiosities, um, demonstrate their understanding through different means, I have to do the same for you as a leader. Um, I have to give you the tools to, to make it happen. And I have to give you the space to say, look, you're the professional here. You understand the learner. You know, use your knowledge of the learner, their curiosities, their personality. Uh, use that to create the space for them to, to do the work. Um, so I think as, as a leader, you're absolutely right. Like there, there, there's a manifestation the way I lead. Um, you know, my job, I feel like my job is to uh, impartiality, empower um, teachers with the tools and technology and instructional practices um, with the technology uh, to make the learning happen. I think innately what I was mentioning before, uh, we've talked to a lot of, I've talked to a lot of folks in the technology space and you do get certain um, people that are more at the surface level, but I think the true technology folks, the educational technology folks on the educational side, instructional side, innately have that go out, try and innovate, right? And that's, that's a gateway to, a broader understanding, this collective understanding that we talk about, the collective mindset. And I think you, just by virtue of you going out and trying iPads, uh, now and, and the realization that just trying them isn't enough, that they actually have to match with uh, deep uh, instructional models and instructional practices too, right? Just, just that piece alone, I think, and which came first, chicken or the egg, like uh, Rich was saying, like, is it something that's innate? Is it something that um, is not. And I think the people that are in this educational and t- technology space and passionate about it do have that kind of fire to explore, expand and, and grow. I think uh, both, you know, emotionally, professionally, uh, because you, you almost have to, because with technology, you have to stay ahead of the curve and you have to uh, have an understanding of how it fits in instruction. You have to have a a broad understanding as well as a very specific understanding subject to subject and classroom to classroom too. Just thoughts on that. Like as far as the technology piece being sort of this gateway, because I think it's in you and I think it's happened to you. Yeah, I think it, I think it is a gateway. Um, And I think it's, you know, it ties into very closely like my curiosities. Like I've always had an interest in technology and we were talking beforehand about entertainment, like, and how that's so popular. I, I think, you know, we're going to start seeing cross sections between all of these things um, because technology is, is a huge enabler in a lot of ways, good or bad. Um, and I think, though, that, uh, you know, those who, who have an inclination to um, explore technology, um, they do have that that um, ability to um try something. And, and if it fails, you know, bounce back, try something different. 
I think it's, I think it, 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 there is something that's innate there, but, and I think that might be curiosity. I think that's one of the things for me, at least personally, that's really what I cling on to. I think um, that, and I just spent the last, uh, a couple of days ago, I'm reading, um, I think it's Stephen Kotler's uh, latest book on maximizing human potential, like um, uh, solving the impossible or something. I forget what the title is exactly, but basically he has a roadmap of how you do that. And part of it is, is about exploring your curiosities and stacking them and, and finding ways to tap into that potential that exists when you really dive into intrinsic motivation and, and achieve uh, a state of flow. And that's, I think for, for technology people, um, I'm at my best when I'm faced with problems and I'm spending time troubleshooting and trying to solve them and, and hopefully figuring them out. That, uh, that feedback that I get from figuring things out is, is super helpful. So yeah, I, I would definitely say that, it, and it may be a systems thing too. Um, you know, it is a systems thing for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of merit to, to what you say in, in that statement. Um, I think for me personally, it was a bit of a gateway. It was definitely a gateway um, because it, it enabled me to not only, you know, it, explore things I was curious about, but also to, to help others too. Um, yeah. And that's something that's really important. I wanna, Rich, I want to hear from you, but just to follow up before we move on, um, the coaching aspect. I was an instructional yes. technology coach for a long time, and I know what that did for me. I'm curious how that's affected you, if it has, perspective, mm-hmm. leadership-wise. Like, how has your experience or, or did your experience as a coach affect sort of who you are now? So yeah, it was one of the hats I wore in a technology coordinator's role, and it was a little different than like your typical coach in that I was um, I was an administrator. So as an administrator working with teachers, like it, it there was a, a bit of a boundary that was tricky at times. Mm-hmm. But but I think um, one of the things that was most important and my biggest takeaways is just understanding that that the work of of improving teaching and learning is about relationships with people. Um, you're not going to buy into what I have to say unless you buy into me. And I believe the same was true as a, as a teacher too. My kids aren't going to care what I say unless they buy into me. Why would I treat the adults in my organization any differently? Um, so I think, um, you know, really focusing on treating people like people uh, and, and being understanding that everybody's in a different spot because um, we have people in our organization I had people who knew more about tools I was showing in a training than, than I knew and people who had no clue how to turn the computer on. So you, you have to be empathetic and you have to understand, you know, people are coming from different places. And, and that's something I hope that I always hold on to. Empathy and understanding. It's a theme that comes up often. Relationships. Uh, we keep hearing that same. Yes. Funny those words keep popping in. Yeah. Rich? This is not a, not a fake question, Mike. Uh, uh, and... You're not being scored on it. This, this, uh, this oh, well, no, wait, wait, Rich, he, he is being scored on it. So let's just be clear about that. We'll give you a grade right chat. after. In the chat Offline. Room. Offline. That's right. in the chat room. <laughs> we talk about, we, we talk, Mike, we talk about um, uh, probable futures, emerging futures. I mentioned that book, uh, Theory U to you, I, I know. We talk about probable slash emerging futures a lot. And then we talk about preferred futures. And then another word we don't use as often, we, we probably will up the road, called projected futures. And there's another book I think I recommended in 
that chat we spoke about that you would be, you would be very interested in by Amy Webb. Um, so there's clearly a, a gap between the probable futures that education and our collective experiences uh, exist in and, and can anticipate short term mm -hmm. and what we would like it to be, the preferred future. Mm -hmm. Now, your district may be maybe it's closer than others, but you know, we work in some districts where it's, it's like this, you can drive a truck through and there's others where it's a little, maybe it's a little narrower. Sure. Um, what's your confidence level is in our ability as forward thinking uh, facilitators slash thinkers slash leaders to uh, more than likely achieve a pref the preferred future? I'm, the three of us, uh, the, uh, the four of us rather, uh, obviously share. Um, well, I don't know that the percentage is good. Uh, that the that the likely percentage that we achieve a preferred future is good um, in the short term, uh, but I imagine that the way I look at this this process is that first of all I, I'm I really like what I I'm doing right now because I'm still in the action and I still can have a say in, in you know what kind of uh, futures we achieve. Um, I think. Up until the, maybe the last few years, um, there's been very limited talk about what potential futures exist and what's even a preferred future for education. Um, I, I think it's become a much more um, prevalent topic in the last several years, um, at least from my own perspective. Now, it could just be naive, um, but uh, there's a lot of people who are starting to talk about the things we're talking about, and that's an important first step. Um, but I think by and large, uh, public schools, um, and I'm just kind of lumping them all together, but you could also say some private schools and charter schools fall into the same category, is that we're making incremental growth. And uh, as we've seen across all sorts of industries in the last how many ever hundreds of years, that incremental growth um, doesn't necessarily achieve the next big breakthrough. Um, it's, it's disruption occurs on a totally separate curve. And, and so that's, that's my concern with achieving the preferred future is that if we continue down this road of, of just making expectations, um, policy work, um, those types of things have significant impact on the ability of schools to do what schools need to do. Um, I, I do think though, that there are some pioneers and, and, and in our area, I would say Randy is one of those people um, that that's doing that work. Um, it's, it's starting to happen. And there are some organizations that are starting to achieve some kind of mass. I won't call it critical mass yet, but, but I think that's really, really important is that, is that we start to build a critical mass of people who are talking the same talk and, and, and Amen. together that collective, which is, you know, what you guys were talking about, that collective is going to be essential in achieving that preferred outcome. Yeah, the collective mindset, what, what that does, if people just even the language and, and the baseline uh, that now you hear project-based learning is more, hey, if everybody does that, you should be doing it versus, wait, what is that? And how does that fit? Um, and I think that's, that's when the true change starts to happen, when it just becomes sort of rote and part of everyday uh, language and practice and instruction. Uh, we are, 
ever hopeful and we're getting the message out um, as you are. So I just don't, I don't want that to be misunderstood from the audience. You, myself, Rich, Anthony, um, we are hopeful that this change will happen, but what we observe, what we see, I know I agree with, and we've had conversations, Rich, about this, is that it's, it's, it's this, this tanker trying to move, you know, at a 90 degree angle in the span of, uh, however long that takes, right? Uh, it's, it's almost impossible to do with education and it takes forever for that tanker to change its course. Uh, but I know we're not going to start stop trying and I know you're not going to stop trying. Um, I want to, I do, we're coming close to time. I do want to wrap up, but we won't call it a wrap up. We would love to have you again, Dr. Peck, if you would, if you are willing and able to, uh, and we could continue a lot of this conversation that we started um, really enjoy the conversation, inspiring, insightful, uh, and uh, you get a wonderful uh, uh, head around this, thoughts around this. So I'd love to see you on here again. Uh, Rich, closing thoughts, and then uh, Mike, I'll give you the final word. Sure. The other thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say is the obvious. It's just a pleasure to, to uh, hear a person like uh, Mike uh, speak to the issues that have to be spoken to. And my confidence level went up X points, but just, just having heard what he had to say, and as, in addition to our little conversations we've had the past couple of days, uh, Mike, because uh, more folks like you uh, hopefully will create that mass, uh, but it's going to take a lot of persistence. And I'll stop there, otherwise I'll stop pontificating again. So I appreciate <laughs> that you were on. I really, hope that we can, I really hope that we can have you on again. And we do have other folks who kind of talk the same talk you talk. Maybe we'll Pull a, pull a panel together or something like that uh, to uh, spread the word around. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, of course. And Mike, uh, final thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you both so much. And and yeah, um, Al, thanks for kind of like uh, clarifying, I think, where I was going with that. Um, in, in retrospect, perhaps my words were, were very harsh, but it's going to be a big challenge. Um, mm -hmm. You know, achieving this new paradigm of education is going to be a huge challenge. Um, and there are people who are uh, starting to tackle that task um, in, in schools, um, in the universities and higher ed, um, outside of that in social media worlds, like, like you guys, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are talking about this. And I think that's going to be, that's my impossible. That's my big eye impossible that, that I've really come to terms with. And um, there's a lot of work that has to be done, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I really want to thank you both for, for having me on to talk. And I'd be happy to come back again if you guys have me. We would absolutely love it. And we, uh, we understand it's a big Thanks task. Well. Acknowledging uh, what that task is and, and how, uh, how challenging it is to get there does not, like you said, indicate that we are not hopeful and inspired that it can be done, right? So uh, thank you again. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we will uh, see you next week. We have a couple of guests next week. Uh, and Mike, looking forward to have, having you on again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.